welcome to This Week in Sports. Here's your host, The Pony. Good afternoon and welcome to the show, everybody. I am your host, as always, The Pody. It is Saturday, September 7th, 2019. And we're going to do something a little bit differently here today on this show. Usually, uh, this is called This Week in Sports. So I go over the week in sports, the biggest headlines and storylines in and around each and every sport, basically the major sports. But today, because the NFL season is upon us, we have the first Sunday of the regular season tomorrow. This is going to be a football preview show. I am going to talk football only today and mainly NFL. I know it's Saturday. There's a lot of college football going on. I have given up on my Rutgers team. They are losing 20 to nothing at halftime. So yeah, Goodbye, Rutgers, and hello, podcast. So, without further ado, we have to get into it right now, okay? We're talking Antonio Brown. It is breaking news, ladies and gentlemen. For those of you hearing this for the first time, it has been a roller coaster 24 hours, and Antonio Brown is no longer an Oakland Raider. He has been cut and or released by the team this morning. So let's back this thing up. Not even 24 hours. Well, okay, let's go 24 hours, okay? So, actually, you know what? Scratch that. I'm going to recap this whole thing going back to about Wednesday. Antonio Brown, last Hard Knocks episode comes out Tuesday, which I gave up. I'm not even going to watch it at this point. It's, it's, it's crazy. Wednesday... Okay, fast forward to Wednesday. Antonio Brown gets into a heated argument, okay, with his general manager, Mike Mayock, on the field at practice, calls him a cracker, threatens to punch him in the face before turning around and punting a ball or throwing a ball against a fence, whatever. He has to be held back by teammates, including Vontez Perfect. Vontez Perfect has now become the voice of reason on the Oakland Raiders. The Oakland Raiders that have Vontez Perfect and Richie Incognito, and they're not even the worst players on the team, the most detrimental. It is Antonio Brown. So you know something is seriously wrong when Antonio Brown has to be held back from his general manager by Vontez Perfect of all players, okay? So that happens, all right? He gets a letter in the mail, okay, that was supposed to be like a $53,000 fine. I think this was even before that blow up, okay? And instead of keeping it in-house, Antonio Brown, like the diva he is, like the center of attention that he must be in every situation, in every waking moment of every waking day, of every waking minute, all right? He goes and posts this letter on Instagram for the world to see. Okay, then they have this heated argument, whatever. All right, last night comes, apparently, well, yesterday comes, apparently the 
Um, the team captains went into John Gruden's office. They said, okay, we have your back regardless of what's going to happen because there was rumors that Antonio Brown, I believe this was two days ago, that Antonio Brown was going to be suspended for week one and possibly for the rest of the season so the Raiders can void paying him that 30 mil in guaranteed money. And it would basically be on a week-to-week basis if they were to even bring him back. So that's when the captains and say, we have your back. Okay, Antonio Brown unfollows the Raiders and then unfollows his quarterback, Derek Carr, after he sends him like some Bible verse, basically telling him to chill out, whatever. Okay, then we have yesterday, Antonio Brown delivers this emotional apology in front of his teammates and the captains and yada, yada, yada. And they come together in the camaraderie. And then John Gruden says... He's not being suspended. In fact, he will play Monday night week one against the Denver Broncos. Say what? Yes. So that happens. This totally undermines general manager Mike Mayock and... I'm sitting here saying this is pathetic. I knew Mike Mayock was under John Gruden because John Gruden, let's face it, has all the power. He's making $10 million a year over 10 years. Um, and, and basically he's calling the shots even when he hired May, they hired Mayock. That was all John Gruden. So then basically this undermines Mayock. He has no power because Antonio Brown wins despite everything in the off season, the helmet, the frostbite, the cursing out your coach, calling him a cracker. Okay. If the roles were reversed and this was a white player talking to a black general manager and he called him the N-word. There is no doubt about it. He would not be in this league ever again. All right. And I don't want to make this a racist thing, but this is exactly what it is become. Because by calling him a cracker, you are making it about the fact that he is white and you are black. And... It's disrespectful. It doesn't hold the same weight as the N-word by any means. But imagine if you said something like that to your boss in any job whatsoever, you would be immediately terminated and fired. And that did not happen. Instead, Antonio Brown gets the benefit of the doubt from his head coach, John Gruden, who just wants to win, baby, in the words of Al Davis, right? The uh, Raiders' uh, former owner. Um, and, and yeah, he's putting his players ahead of respect and, and it's, and it's a tough pill to swallow and, and it's going to be difficult, but that was as of yesterday. Then last night, let's fast forward a little bit to late last night, Antonio Brown releases a video on YouTube. This is what I mean about Antonio Brown cannot stay away from being the center of attention. He has to shine that light as brightly as possible on himself. And so he posts a video on YouTube. It was a recorded message, uh, a recorded phone call between he and head coach John Gruden. Whether he had John Gruden's permission to record this message or what, I have no idea, but I believe it was a conference call between Drew Rosenhaus, his agent, phoning in John Gruden because I believe at the beginning of this video, it is uh, Rosenhaus saying, Antonio, we've got we've got Gruden on the line or whatever. He wants to talk to you. And then uh, John Gruden is basically saying, 
cut the bullshit. Can't we just play football? And and, and then basically uh, Antonio Brown is like, you know, um, he's like, do you want to be an Oakland Raider? That's all I ask. Do you want to be here? And he's like, that's all I've been trying to do is be a Raider. And everybody's is putting me down and yada, yada, yada. Right. And he posts this stupid winded video, minute 50 seconds, minute and a half, whatever it is. And it's, again, totally disrespectful. It is pathetic that he constantly feels the need to berate and barrage the Oakland Raiders despite everything. He got the benefit of the doubt. He's going to be allowed to play in week one. What more does he want? Okay, fast forward to this morning, Saturday, September 7th, 2019. Antonio Brown asks for his release and asks and you shall receive, baby, because he was in fact released. And what was going to happen, Adam Schefter highlighted this. I watched a clip of Schefter talking about this on SportsCenter. He said the Raiders sent him another fine in the mail, another letter. It was going to be, I think, two hundred and fifteen or 213000 plus dollars okay, for uh, for conduct uh, detrimental to the team, something to that effect, right? And that was basically for his, the words he had with Mike Mayock because it's just unacceptable, okay, to speak to a superior that way. A superior who, mind you, Mike Mayock, 31 years his senior. So you don't talk to your boss like that or your boss's boss or whatever. Okay, so he gets this fine. This voids his 30 million guarantees. So he's still allowed to play in week one because Gruden basically said he could play tomorrow, uh, Monday night. Well, being that it voids his 30 million, nothing is guaranteed. He'd be basically playing on a week to week basis for his money. And apparently Antonio Brown did not want that and was not happy and said, you know, to hell with it. Release me now. Well, the Raiders granted that wish. They released him. They don't get those third or fifth round picks back that they sent to the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers come out on top looking like absolute gravy in this situation. They got themselves out from under this this tool bag, this, this diva, okay, this little wuss who cannot stand to not be the center of attention if if the if the sportscasters if the radios people if the newspapers are not talking about AB Antonio Brown okay then it's null and void in Antonio Brown's mind. He wants to make sure everybody's talking about him. Well, guess what? Everybody's talking about you today, Antonio. Guess what? Is business booming? Cuz I don't think it is. Because you ain't about to be playing. Not only are you not playing week one, you ain't going to be playing on a team in a long time. I don't foresee a team signing him right now or for the foreseeable future. The only team that scares me, that, that really scares me, that I could possibly see Antonio Brown going to in his current state of mind and it working out would be the Bill Belichick led. New England Patriots. But even then, I don't think they would do it. They've got Josh Gordon, they've got Demarius Thomas, and I don't I think it would be a volatile situation for Antonio Brown 
to go to the 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 Patriots right now. I think something is seriously wrong with Antonio Brown right now. I think he needs to be checked into a mental health facility for maybe a few days, a week, uh, maybe a couple weeks. Something is not right in his mind. I don't know what's going on. Anytime they showed him on hard knocks, it was hard to imagine that this was the same guy that was cursing out teammates and not showing up and this and that because he, he did honestly seem... He would to be a likable guy. He was reading some fan mail. He went to a local high school and he's taking pictures with the kids at the football game on a Friday night. I mean, he did genuinely look like a likable guy. So I just don't understand what has changed. He's constantly throwing shade at the Steelers and calling out Big Ben. I just, something is wrong. And people want to joke that that hit he took from Vontez Perfect a few years ago was, you know, ridiculous. It caused him some CTE, and he's losing his marbles right now. But in all seriousness, something is wrong, and he needs to get straight. So without further ado, um, with that being said, rather, that is where we currently sit in the Antonio Brown saga. That is everything that has come out. That is everything I know. Um, We also found out today that Julio Jones just became the richest wide receiver in NFL history. He signed a three-year, $66 million contract extension. And what's unbelievable about this is that $66 million of that is guaranteed. So basically, the entirety of the contract is guaranteed. $64 million is due at time of signing. This is basically unprecedented. And Adam Schefter did tweet something. Um, let me pull this up because this is very interesting. I, I want to highlight this. Um, give me one second to find this. Basically, this was a, uh, a quote from a top... NFL executive that saying this is the first legitimate step to being NBA contracts. Julio might actually be the tipping point for the NFL to follow the NBA. Bad for clubs, great for players. So yes, there you have it. We could start to see, I mean, we started to see this already earlier in the week with Jared Goff signing his four-year extension, getting 110 of 134, 35 million in guarantees. Just ridiculous. Um, it's been a crazy week. Every new contract we see is is the is the most ridiculous, is the highest contract. Tyreek Hill, he also got a a um, contract extension earlier this season, thirty five point two million guaranteed in his extension at, for a total of fifty four million. So we're seeing the guaranteed money go up, 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 and up. And Julio, uh, we haven't seen it this high, but he gets sixty six million, and sixty six is guaranteed. And many have argued for a very, very long time, of course, that Julio Jones, possibly the best receiver in the NFL, maybe not so much now. Now at this point in his career at his age, but still he is a phenomenal, phenomenal player. One of the top two, three, four, five wide receivers. Okay. And, um, so he gets his payday. Tyreek Hill gets his payday and what a whirlwind couple of months for Tyreek Hill. They draft his replacement in McCole Hardman because they believe that Tyreek Hill is going to be kicked out of the NFL a la, you know, Ray Rice, Kareem Hunt, like huge suspension for possible, um, abuse. You know, the, the tape recordings come out between him and his girlfriend about him hitting their son and, and everything goes, goes through the law enforcement and they investigate, investigate and boom, 
out of nowhere, Tyreek Hill is cleared. He is allowed to return to practice. He's coming back. He had that scary injury in one of the first couple days of practice since he returned, but he was okay. And now he's back. He's poised better than ever, gets this contract extension, and he is ready to go out there and capitalize and build off of last year's strong, strong 2018 campaign in which he led all receivers in the NFL in fantasy points. Just a stellar, phenomenal season with that Kansas City Chiefs offense. And they are poised to make another run at a Super Bowl. They are one of the top if not uh, contending teams in the National Football League. And they ha- they boast, in my opinion, the most potent offense in the NFL right now headed into tomorrow's games. It's going to be fun to watch. Um, I am excited. I am a sports junkie. I will be betting on these games and I cannot wait. I will give you some of my picks that I absolutely love. Um, I want to recap Thursday night's game in which, if you heard me on the Glorious House of Gains podcast, I was hesitant to touch that game. I'm glad I did not. I was leaning towards Packers to cover at plus three, which they thankfully did, but it was just a very sloppy game. You could tell both Mitch Trubisky for the for the Bears and both Aaron Rodgers for the Packers who played a combined three snaps in the preseason zero passes were very rusty and everybody said that was going to happen with Rodgers with a new head coach in Matt LaFleur going up against that vaunted Bears defense one of the best in the league you have Khalil Mack coming off the edge I mean just those boys are are tough very tough and and Rodgers looked bad the Bears offense looked equally as as bad if not worse and final score was 10 to 3 Packers it was basically one touchdown drive in the second quarter uh, and that he threw one up to Jimmy Graham which had no business being caught but it was so there you have it the Packers win that one 10 to 3 I don't want to harp on that because it was a terrible start to the NFL season just a horrible horrible game I can't believe I stayed up and watched every single play I mean I did have the Bears defense they got me nine points that's kind of why I was watching wanted to see if they could get any turnovers there was an Aaron Rodgers fumble but he was able to fall right back on it as he scrambled but uh yeah 10 to 3 final if you had any of these guys in fantasy the only ones that really did anything where Allen Robinson had about 15 points or so, depending on whether you're in PPR or not. And then the Bears D had nine points. I don't think anyone topped that. Um, maybe Aaron Rodgers had had like nine or 10 points. Um, I could check that right now in my league to see what he had. Uh, let's see. Aaron Rodgers had... I think I saw this earlier. He had... 12.92 points, okay? So he, a little more than the Bears defense, but that's still not a good output from your quarterback, and more than likely, you are you are facing serious trouble if you had Aaron Rodgers in week one, or really anyone in that, in that game. So let's move along. I covered Antonio Brown. I covered, you know, a couple of the important signings. What else is there to cover, might you ask, as far as the NFL goes? Well, we want to get to each and every game. I want to preview each and every game, which I definitely will. But um, let me just make sure I didn't miss anything. I'm trying to think here. Um, So we have, I don't know if this, yeah. So LaShawn McCoy obviously was traded to these Kansas City Chiefs. 
he was cut by the um, Buffalo Bills, so he has now joined the Kansas City Chiefs. So I apologize. I'm so, I don't apologize, but I'm sorry for any of you that drafted Damian Williams, okay, on the um, Chiefs as your running back, or even if you drafted uh, sleeper pick uh, Darwin Thompson, the rookie there. Um, it's going to be tough now that they added LaShawn McCoy, one of the most dynamic running backs at the age of 31 years old. Um, so yeah, it's going to be very difficult to see what they decide to do with that backfield. Um, I'm very intrigued by that. Still one of the best offenses in the league. Um, so what I really wanted to get to now would be um, there is a sort of injury to talk about with Odell Beckham. This is kind of headline news that we should talk about. Odell Beckham, another diva wide receiver traded in the offseason from the Giants to the Cleveland Browns. Now, he is dealing with a hip injury. It is it is worse than first um, thought. Apparently, he has not pushed himself to 100% yet in practice. And the first time he is going to go full speed 100% is during Sunday's game against the Titans. And that is not a good sign because if he does that and hurts himself, that is going to be devastating to the Cleveland Browns. He has not been able to sprint full speed, according to all reports. And they're comparing the hip injury to a fast car with the alignment being off. And that is a scary thought because if you have a guy as talented as Odell Beckham, despite all the shenanigans and the off, you know, the sideline, uh, you know, rants and him just being a diva that he is and kicking, you know, the kicking net and, and all that stuff. Um, his, his, what he said on the um, injury front was that it's something that prevents me from opening up and sprinting. Now, if you know anything about being a wide receiver, yeah, running and sprinting, that is like your whole, that's your job. That's what he has to do in order to get open to catch the ball. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see if he's playing at maybe 75%, 80%, but it is definitely worth something keeping an eye on because he might not play as much as we think. And I don't know the current line on that game, but I will get to it. Um, let me open up some of my apps here and pull up those lines so we could start going over some of these games. And because I'm talking about the Browns, we might as well get into that game first. Uh, I believe it is a one o'clock game. Um, give me one second here to pull that up. The Cleveland Browns, Tennessee Titans. It is a one o'clock game. It is Browns five and a half point favorites. Now, if you know the Cleveland Browns have come into this offseason, they are now one of the favorites out of the AFC to make a run at a Super Bowl, believe it or not. They are getting a lot of bets to win the Super Bowl, which is to me is very shocking. I think with Juice, Jarvis Landry, Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham, I think those personalities are going to clash. If somebody isn't getting the touches that they want, it is going to implode. And that is why this is my first upset pick of the week. And just just a reminder, I haven't really mentioned this, um, but due to the Glorious House of Gains podcast and whatnot with Rob, Robert Frank, and such, I am now on Cameo. Um, I can po- I will post the link if I remember after this episode. I'll post it in the show description, um, so you could got you guys can get the link there. But I am now on Cameo. If you search me for Pody, I think you'll you'll find me, or even Glorious House of Gains, or or my name Anthony Muldowney. You might be able to find me. 
and um, it's $10 if you want a shout out, whatever, if you want. Mainly I'm on there because I consider myself somewhat of a pretty good sports better. And for those of you trying to make a little extra coin, you know, on your weekends, you know, maybe some uh, spending money, um, I'll give you some picks. You ask me about a game, maybe uh, I will tell you how I feel, how I would bet that game, if I would touch it, if I would take the over on the points, the under, if I would take the, um, you know, this team uh, plus plus 10 or, or the other team to win, whatever it is. Um, I think that is a good um, outlet for me to give some some for some really good betting advice. It, it I I'm only co- I only cost ten dollars by comparison. I think Rob is maybe fifty or sixty. I know Antonio Brown because I looked it up. That asshole co- uh, wants is charging five hundred dollars for a personalized message. Basically, that is what Cameo is. If you don't know what it is, you could just do a search for Cameo. I think it's like Cameo.com or whatever. Okay, and then you'd be able to search for different people. It's basically a way for you to pay and have a celebrity give you a shout out. So say you wanted your your brother is like the biggest, you know, the biggest um, Alex Rodriguez fan, right? A-Rod. You love A-Rod so much. So you go on Cameo, you search for A-Rod and boom, you send him, you, you pay, say $500 and he will send you a personalized message and you just tell him who you want to give a shout out to. So say it's like... Um, you know, my brother, uh, Joe's birthday, right? Say it's Joe's birthday. You want to do something cool for him. You want him to get a shout out from Alex Rodriguez. So you tell A-Rod, yeah, it's my brother's birthday. Could you give him a, a shout out? And then A-Rod will be like, hey, Joe, what's going on? It's A-Rod here. Just wanted to wish you a very happy, you know, 35th birthday or whatever it is, right? So that's what Cameo is, but you could use it for all different things. Shout outs, personalized messages. In my case, maybe some sports betting advice, you know? So I think it's pretty cool. So you could find me on there. I am going to give you some of my picks, and I'm going to start with this Cleveland and Tennessee game. And I absolutely love the Tennessee Titans in this one. This is my first upset of the day. I think the Cleveland Browns are way, way, way too overrated for sure. 100% overrated. Like I said, I don't think those A-type personalities are going to mesh very well. And this news about Antonio Brown, I mean, excuse me, Odell Beckham Jr. with the hip injury, that leaves me a bit concerned, okay? And the Tennessee Titans, mind you, are a very good football team, okay? They're not a great football team, but they are a competitive um, playoff-type team. And... um, I think that they have a very good chance to cover the five and a half. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if they if they win this straight up, but to play it safe, I would take the Tennessee Titans at plus five and a half for sure. Um, and I think that's a good sp- is a good place to start. Marcus Mariota is really in a contract type year. He's got to prove if he is worth that number two overall pick from a few years ago. Um, and really, this is the se- this is the make or break season because if he does not perform well this year, um, he could be done in Tennessee. Let's move along. And let's talk about, and as far as the over-under in that game, I'm not touching it. Um, I would say probably the over, it's 45 and a half, but I'm not, I'm not touching, I'm probably not touching over-unders at all in the first week because you just don't know what to expect. A lot of teams are going to be rusty. I actually wouldn't, um, to, to, if you 
can believe this or not, I actually like the over of 40 and a half in the Jets game just because I th- I really do believe they're going to we're going to see Le'Veon Bell for the first time in over a year, didn't play a single pose- uh, snap in the preseason. I think that the Bills are terrible, but I believe that the Jets' defense is bad enough in the secondary to where the Bills can put up maybe maybe 14 points or 17, maybe 21 points. I This could be a shootout, but I believe for sure that that Jets' offense led by Adam Gase, now that they will get Le'Veon back, Ty Montgomery, no Chris Herndon, so tight end's going to be a bit of a problem, but they, they won't need the tight end anyway. I think that that team, that Jets' offense, could put up between 28 and 35 points. I truly believe that. And and even if they're able to put up 20 points or 24 points, even something to that effect, 23 points. If you get the bills to put up 20 and say the jets win 24 to 20, which that would be a cover. And right now, oh my God, I have to jump on this. The jets right now are at minus two and a half. That line was three all week. It is on at least DraftKings that I'm looking right now. It is at two and a half. Um, So I'll have to monitor that because in football, obviously, if you could get a plus uh, three and a half scenario or a minus two and a half, that is absolute money in the bank every time because obviously a field goal is worth three points. So with the Jets being minus two and a half, if they win by a field goal, you win by half a point and you win that bet. So that is crucial. So um, I was going to take the Jets at minus three, but minus two and a half is even better. Um, a lot of people start to get leery when the line changes a day before game time, and it's starting to favor the Bills a little bit by half a point, but but that's fine. Um, I'll, I'll still take the Jets all day. And like I said, I do like the over here. Uh, I would not touch the Buffalo Bills. I, I just, that team is a mess right now. Um, I don't know what to expect from them. They're a new look offense with Josh Allen um, in his second year, but they've got now running backs Frank Gore, TJ Yeldon, this rookie kid. I, I just don't know what to expect from, from that group. Um, their defense is always decent, but um, yeah, you all know how I feel about Sean McDermott, their head coach. I think he sucks. Um, so let's move on. I don't want to make this show isn't going to be too long. I'm going to try to make it under an hour and just talk football, give you my rapid fire picks and what I think and, and what will happen. There was uh, one thing I do want to mention about Thursday's game, my preview um, that I did on the uh, Sports Minute Glorious House of Gains podcast episode 75. I did say that Aaron Rodgers hadn't thrown an interception against the Bears in like two seasons. I heard that on uh, uh, Wing uh, Golik and Wingo. Um, earlier that morning on Thursday morning on the radio, or maybe it was WFAN. I don't quite remember. I swore that's what they said, but I was in fact wrong about that. Uh, Rogers did throw an interception against the bears last season. Of course, on Thursday night, he didn't throw a single interception, but yeah, I just wanted to get out that out there. I apologize for that. Um, but that's what I heard on the radio. Okay, let's move on to the Redskins at Eagles. This is the biggest spread in week one, as far as I can tell. It is a 10.5 point spread. The Seahawks um, are a 9.5 point favorite against the Bengals. But um, yeah, this is the only double digit spread in, in week one. And it's double digits for a reason. I think I mentioned this on the podcast as well on Thursday that the Philadelphia Eagles. I believe, 
are a playoff contending team. They have Super Bowl aspirations. Okay. Um, if Carson Wentz can stay healthy, they've now added Jordan Howard. We know how good Zach Ertz is, one of the top three tight ends in football. Okay. You've got Alshon Jeffrey on the outside when healthy. Aguilar on the other side, he could fill in in the slot. He He has really started to come along. You still got Darren Sproles, the ageless wonder. He's very solid. I think this Eagles team can be very good. They have, you know, the chance to win that division. It's going to be tough with the Cowboys, but they do. Oh, and obviously that is the other big news this week. Ezekiel Elliott has come back and has signed with the Cowboys. It is the biggest contract for a running back. He is now the number one highest paid running back in the NFL. Can't believe I forgot that, but Antonio Brown uh, saga has basically taken over the sports news coverage. Okay, so the Eagles are favored by 10. I think this team could be a three or four seed in that conference. So I absolutely love them at minus 10 here. I think the Washington Redskins are going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. They are talking about scratching Adrian Peterson, who rushed for over 1,000 yards last season. He might be a healthy scratch with Darius Geis taking over as their number one running back and with Thompson, their their pass catching back, which I think is is ludicrous. Ludicrous if you're Jay Gruden to sit Antonio Brown as good. I mean, I keep saying this. Uh, and uh, Jesus, um, AP, Adrian Peterson, don't you shouldn't be benching him or making him a healthy scratch. They have serious issues at receiver. Um, I don't know who their number one really is. Jordan Reed is hurt all the time, um, dealing with concussion stuff. I don't even know if he's playing. Paul Richardson on the outside, they don't really have a number one receiver. Um, It's going to be tough for them. It it really is. I I don't know. Um, They've got Case Keenum. Obviously, they made him the starter instead of... um, uh, the guy from Ohio State. I'm drawing a complete, uh, um, a complete blank here right now. Um, Jesus, uh, give me a sec here. Um, I'm gonna pull this up. Let's see. You've got for the Redskins. Excuse me. I'm getting a ton of notifications right now. Of course, college football is going on right now. Um, sorry roster I'm looking for Dwayne Haskins that's who I'm thinking of obviously the rookie from Ohio State he is going to be backing up Case Keenum now we know Case Keenum was with the Denver Broncos last year before that he had a career season he was a career backup but then he he comes in and he has a career year for Minnesota obviously coming out of college from Houston he was very good but then he really just had that backup role bounced around from a couple teams, and then flourished in Minnesota, signs a two-year deal with the Denver Broncos, didn't live up to the hype or expectation, 6-10 and ten season, comes over now to the Redskins. Obviously, we know Alex Smith had that career-ending almost injury with the leg, almost lost his leg. Then you have um, Colt McCoy, who has been relegated to QB3. He also broke his leg. Um, I'm wondering if he's even fully healthy right now. But um, yeah, so... I think that this team has way too many questions. I said Darius Geis is now their number one running back. I don't even really know what to make of that. You've got, you know, their wide receiver one is Robert Davis. I couldn't even tell you who that is, to be truthful. Paul Richardson, obviously, he's solid. He comes out, he was over from the Seahawks last season. Um, Trey Quinn. Kelvin Harmon. I mean, these are guys we we don't even know who they are. And then, like I said, you've got Jordan Reed. Don't know his status. Vernon Davis, 
We've seen him fill in at tight end. Obviously, he has been around for a very long time. Um, one of the best tight ends in his prime. So yeah, uh, that is the Redskins roster as currently constructed. So that you'll understand why the Philadelphia Eagles are favored by 10. And I expect them to win by no less than two touchdowns. So that is one of my top picks for the week. I would jump all over the Eagles there. Um, I talked about the Jets and the And the Bills, let's move on to my other lock of the week. And that would be the Baltimore Ravens minus seven, seven point favorites on the road in Miami against the Dolphins, who the Dolphins, I've been saying this for a couple weeks now, Ryan Fitzpatrick named their starter ahead of um, Josh Rosen. And I think we all know what you get with Fitzpatrick, a little bit of good, a whole lot of bad, just a mixed bag of everything. Uh, Harvard guy, great story to be able to come to the NFL and make it. Had great numbers with the Jets a few years ago. Lit it up at the beginning of the season with the Tampa Bay Bucks last year. He's been on about 15 different teams. Okay, we know what we're going to get with him. The surrounding cast is brutal. They traded Laramie Tunsil, okay, to Houston. It's just, it's a mess. And Kenny Stills as well was traded to Houston with in that deal. Um, their, their offense is a mess. And uh, they're going to be one of the worst teams in the history of football, of the NFL. We're going into the 100th season of the NFL, right? And I think that this actually, that this Dolphins team could be one of the worst we've ever seen. Maybe not record-wise, but I'm telling you, they're going to be bad. And the Baltimore Ravens are a playoff team. We know what they have now in Lamar Jackson. He is a dynamic runner and passer. And I look, they added Mark Ingram to that running back field to go along with Gus Edwards, who is solid as a backup there. He is going to be featured a little bit there, um, the Rutgers kid. Um, And I think that they have a legitimate chance to... Go to win the AFC North, um, but more likely than anything, they are going to make the playoffs for sure. I mean, this is a definite playoff team. If Lamar Jackson stays healthy, if he could not be RG3 and not take all those hits, if he could be Russell Wilson and get down and, and really, um, you know, basically, like I said, not be just not be RG3, don't take those devastating torn ACL type hits or those concussionary type hits. Okay. Um, you know, they, they've got a very good team. Like I said, they've added Mark Ingram, who I don't exactly know how he is going to mesh in that, in that offense, the way that they're going to run it. He's more of a, you know, in the trenches type of guy up the middle, not really an outside type runner, but that should be okay. Their wide receiver core is lacking. Willie Sneed is their number one. Seth Roberts, uh, Jaleel Scott, Miles Boykin. It's not a lot of guys that you've really heard of, um, but they've got an under the radar tight end in in Mark Andrews um, and and Hayden Hurst, their former uh, first round uh, draft pick out of South Carolina. I think that they could be very, very dangerous. Their defense is always very good. Yes, they lost CJ Mosley to the Jets, but I'm sorry, the Miami Dolphins are terrible. So this is the game you want to jump on because this line is going to move and it is going to move fast by tomorrow morning. I'm telling you right now, it is minus seven. If it gets up to 10, you got to be careful, okay? You want to get this before it gets to 10. So I plan on jumping on this 
uh, later today before it does get to 10 because, yes, anything um, below 10 is great right now. I still think that they blow them out of the water by about 17. I could see them winning this game like 35 to 14. I really could. Um, so, yeah, uh, that is the Ravens and the Dolphins, and that, to me, is the easiest pick of the entire weekend. Okay, um, next we have the Chiefs and the Jaguars. This is a bit interesting because the Chiefs are three-and-a-half-point favorites over the Jaguars. The Jaguars now have um, Nick Foles as their quarterback. They have a healthy Leonard Fournette who has dropped weight, and he's in a much better place, and he's poised and ready for a big season. But again, the Chiefs are way too much offense for the Jaguars, even though they have a very good defense. We know Jalen Ramsey is going to be shadowing Tyreek Hill. I still don't believe it's enough. I like the Chiefs by three and a half here. I think they could win it by about 10. Um, as I just get a tweet from Adam Schefter, the uh, the Rams and their four-time All-Pro punter Johnny Hecker have just reached an agreement on a one-year $4.25 million contract extension that includes $3 million in guaranteed money. Hecker now has five years and $18.75 million left on his deal with the Rams. That is a whole lot of money to be a punter in the National Football League. So, wow. But yeah, back to this game. Um, the over-under is 50 and a half. I would not go near that by any stretch of the imagination. I just think that I have to see what the Jaguars have in their bag of tricks in the first game. You know, what they look like with Nick Foles now under center coming over from the Eagles as their starter. So um, yeah, the no-brainer pick here is the Chiefs by three and a half, but it is not one of my, my most confident picks if I were to pick this game. And I don't know if I'm going to bet on this game just yet. Okay, next we have... Um, the Rams and the Panthers. The Rams on the road against the Panthers. Cam Newton is supposedly healthy, but I'm just not sure how much he's going to be able to do. A lot of people expect great things from uh, run, uh, excuse me, um, run CMC in Christian McCaffrey. That's his nickname there, play on run DMC, right? But uh, they're expecting big things. He is a very dynamic running back. He can run it. He can pass catch. He could be our first thousand thousand uh, running, uh, rushing for a thousand, receiving for a thousand that we've seen. Uh, It's going to be an interesting um, season for the Carolina Panthers. They could be a good team should Cam Newton stay healthy. But of course, the Rams were in the Super Bowl. To me, this one's a no-brainer. They're on the road, only two-point favorites. That, to me, is a little intriguing why they're only two-point favorites. Could this be a trap game for the Rams coming cross-country to Carolinas? Um, I don't know. Maybe uh, the Panthers have some motivation now that they have just been wrecked by Hurricane Dorian. Maybe they're playing for that state. Maybe they have that added, you know, oomph. To, go, to, to back them up and to really maybe that city and that state is, is backing them and, and um, maybe it gives them that added leg to just get the upset, but I'm not buying it. Rams minus two. This is one of the better picks this weekend and, and the over under of 49 and a half to be truthful. I like it. I would take the over in that game. 
But again, I'm not touching over-unders myself. I'm giving you advice on what I would do, but this week is not the week to, to start going crazy and taking over-unders. I also would not parlay. I, I might do one parlay, maybe a three-team or like a crazy five-team parlay for like five bucks or something. Um, but parlays will screw you over. I'm thinking of throwing maybe, uh, take like three to five games, put a hundred bucks on each, and just seeing what happens. That to me is my best chance. Because if you take, say, five games, you bet $100 on each game, you're going to come out on top if you, you know, if you win three of those. So um, yeah, that to me is the best method of madness as a sports better in week one. Because I went to Vegas a couple years ago for the first weekend of football, and it's always so hard to bet. And I brought like $1,000. I spent like almost like seven, 800 of it. I did a couple parlays and I got screwed because the bills beat the Colts in week one. And it was like, that was the one leg of my parlay, three team parlay that I needed to hit and I couldn't hit it. So I ended up like eventually breaking even in my picks. Um, and I didn't really win anything, which was a bummer, but it's always very difficult in week one. So be careful. There's always some teams that are better than they are led to believe going into the season and the lines get it. The, the lines are sometimes the, the, the Vegas, Vegas gets it wrong. And that leads me to our next game in the Falcons and on the road at the Vikings. A lot of people are taking Atlanta here. Um, I want to say that Atlanta is only plus four because of the whole thing with Julio Jones. He was possibly going to not play in week one, but the contract got settled today. So he is a full go. They are plus four. And they're on the road in Minnesota. This is an intriguing matchup. This is probably one that, just for the sake of the odds and where it's at, if you want to take a flyer and take the Falcons straight up to win this game, then that's probably the bet to take. Otherwise, I think that this one is basically a push. I would stay away from this game entirely. Um I know a lot of people betting Atlanta at plus four. I don't trust it. I think Minnesota is very intriguing. They went eight, seven, and one last season. Okay, they just were able to sign back Kyle Rudolph, their tight end. They've got a, a healthy Dalvin Cook. We know they've got Thielen and Diggs, two of the best duo uh, wide receivers in the league. And then Kirk Cousins. This is his second year of a of a ridiculous contract that he signed coming over from the Redskins. I believe that he will step up and have a much better season this year. And I think that they will push for a playoff spot. It's going to be tough in that division with Green Bay and Chicago, but I think they could get in as a wild card team. They're going to be one of those bubble teams, just like they were last season. Hopefully they don't have any more ties on their resume because that really hurt them. Um, but yeah, I think that this is a very intriguing one. I don't know who I would take to be truthful. If I had to call this, um, it's, I would just flip a coin. Honestly, I really, I really, really don't know the Falcons. They lost Tevin Coleman. I don't, that's the thing about the Falcons. I don't know that they got better this year. I really don't. And for Minnesota, I think that they got better by, by default, by just the pure, simple fact that Kirk Cousins is a little bit better too good to play as 
badly as he did last year. Not that he played badly, but it was his first year. He could only get better. They have a healthy um, Dalvin Cook. They lost uh, Latavius Murray to the to the Saints now, but I still think if I'm leaning anywhere, it would be the Vikings, but I don't know that they'll win this game by four. See, that's the thing. This, to me, is like a push. So if anything, I would bet this game. I, 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 like I said, I'm not touching this game. Like I said, but if there's one bet to take in this, it's the Falcons straight up by plus 170 is what it's sitting. The line is at right now. Um, So, okay, let's talk. We're already up to 47 minutes. I'm going to start to fly through this and get you guys out of here. Next up is the Seattle Seahawks at home against the Bengals. They're minus nine and a half. The Bengals are absolutely atrocious this year. Um, Tyler Boyd is like their number one receiver. A.J. Green is going to be out six to eight weeks. They lost a rookie running back to an ACL. Um, it, it's it's going to be tough for the Bengals. Seahawks minus nine and a half. And... Um, the over-under is 44. I would take the under if I had to, but again, the Bengals could get shut out in this game, so that is a dangerous um, That is dangerous to, to touch the over-under in that game. As Iowa scores again, they're up 26 to nothing. All you guys have to do is just bet against Rutgers every single week, and you will win, except their week one game, which they were favored, obviously. And they covered, but yeah, 18 and a half points was Iowa favored by, and they are winning by 26, which is easily, um, they're covering the spread. Go to mybookie.ag, use the promo code Frank, and you can double your deposit and you can bet on Rutgers. You could bet on some NFL games for tomorrow. Um, I'm giving you the formula for success if you want to make some money, people. All right, so uh, Seahawks minus 9.5. This is what I was saying. This is a good time to jump on them because if they win by 10, uh, a touchdown and a field goal, you come out on top and you win. Okay, next up, you have the Colts on the road at the Chargers. Andrew Luck is retired. You now have Jacoby Brissett. This line is at six and a half. Very intriguing. Um, I wish it were at seven and a half because the Colts, you could jump on them and you could get them if they lose by a touchdown. Here's the thing. This is my second number two upset of the week. I'm not necessarily saying that the Colts will win, Although I think that they have a good chance to win. Everybody is writing off the Colts and Jacoby Brissett. He's done this before. He's only going to improve. And I think the Chargers are in a bit of a pickle now that they do not have Melvin Gordon. We still don't know what's going on with that. He's been given permission to seek a trade. Nothing has come about with that. We don't know if he'll be back or not. It looks unlikely, but they now have Austin Eckler and Josh Jackson as their running backs, not even close to Melvin Gordon. Hunter Henry is back. He's fully healthy. Finally, he should be a big, impactful guy. Keenan Allen, hopefully he stays healthy. We know what the, we know what the Chargers are, minus Melvin Gordon. We don't really know what the Colts are, but what I think I know is that the Colts are plus six and a half. I think that they can do enough to keep this within six and a half, so I would take the Colts plus six and a half. Um, this is... Interesting, though, because if you do want to bet the Chargers, this is a good one to bet because minus six and a half uh, on the reverse side works very well because if they score, if they win by a touchdown by seven points, you win. 
Um, whereas if you were to take the Colts and you want them to only lose by a touchdown, it would need to be plus seven and a half. So that's the mind tricks that you want to take. And, and thinking about it now, actually, at six and a half, minus six and a half, that is what a lot of people are going to jump on just because they can win by a touchdown and then you win as well. So yeah, over under is 45. I think this is going to actually be a high scoring game. So I think that they will hit that over as well. That is the first of the four o'clock games. Actually, no, the uh, Bengals Seahawks was the first of the four o'clock games. Okay, let's move on to the 425 games in the 49ers and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is a crapshoot. Two teams that we really don't know what to expect. Um, you have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They are a a new look team, essentially. I don't know what to expect from them. Um, Jameis Winston is another guy that is in a situation um, that he needs to perform this year. And if he doesn't, he could be on his way out of the organization and he could find himself in a backup role somewhere next year. They bring in Bruce Arians out of retirement to be their head coach. Obviously, they now have um, Todd Bowles as their defensive coordinator um, after he was let go from the Jets. The Tampa Bay Bucks, because they're at home, they are favored by one and a half. I think this should be at minus one in favor of the Bucks just because they're at home. Don't sleep on the 49ers. Um, this is another one that I'm taking in, in which I bet the 49ers to win this game. Um, I think, again, this is basically a push. Stay away from this game, though. But if you're going to bet it, take the 49ers, and I would take the over of 49 and a half. Because sometimes when you have bad team, excuse me, when you have a couple bad teams, they have very bad defenses, but they have decent offenses, decent to the point where when they play another bad team, they could score a lot of points. And that's the situation that I feel like that we are in headed into Sunday at 425 with the 49ers and Bucks. I like the 49ers plus one and a half. That's basically what I'm getting at. Next up, you have the Giants in Dallas against the Cowboys. Zeke is back for Dallas. We don't know how many snaps he's going to get, but um, the Giants are on the road. Seven-point dogs. I like the Cowboys in this one, minus seven, and I also like the over of 45.5. I could be foolish, but I don't know. The Giants might be able to score some points. Saquon is a beast. Um, Sterling Shepard should be a healthy go. Uh, Evan Ingram is a, is a very good tight end. So I like the um, uh, Cowboys minus seven, and I would take the over of 45 and a half if I had to. I'm Again, I'm not taking over-unders at all myself. I'm throwing them out there what I think for your benefit if you want to be crazy enough to bet those over-unders. Next up, we have the Detroit Lions and Arizona Cardinals. Another matchup of two really bad teams and the Lions are on the road and they're favored in this game in Arizona that's because we have Kyler Murray um, Cliff Kingsbury in their first year rookie quarterback rookie head coach we don't know what to expect from them Detroit at two and a half they should be able to win this by a field goal that is the safe bet that is the the best bet right there and the over under of 46 um I would stay away from that. If I had to, had to make a pick, I would honestly say over. 
And then we have the Sunday night 820 game, Pittsburgh Steelers and New England Patriots. That should be a great game. I'm not touching this game for the life of me. The over-under is 49 and a half. They'll definitely get over that. That might be the best guarantee all week is the over of 49 and a half in the Patriots and Steelers game. That is the uh, one over under I would be willing to bet on. The Steelers are five and a half point underdogs. To me, that is a lot. I think the Steelers could easily upset and win this game. I am one to never bet against the Patriots, however. So um, if I were to bet, I would say that the Patriots win this game. Five and a half is a lot. Yes, they can win by a touchdown, but I don't know. The first week of the season is very tough. If you want to go out on a limb, this is what I would do. I'd, I'd take this, uh, the Patriots by minus five and a half. But then um, on the flip side, if you want the Steelers, take them at straight up to win. Just take them. They're like plus 190. That's a very good payout because this could go either way. So that is the pick. Those are the picks that I would give on either side of that, wherever you're leaning. And then for there's two games on Monday night. Keep that in mind. It's the first week. Um, it sucks because the second game is at 1020 on the East Coast. Most people have to wake up early in the morning for work on Monday. So I will see maybe a half of that Oakland Raiders Denver Broncos game but the first one being the Saints at home against the Houston Texans Saints are favored by seven that is a lot of points okay seven is a lot I get it the Saints are my pick to win the Super Bowl this year the Houston Texans do not sleep on them okay do not sleep on them whatsoever yes they lost Lamar Miller but they have Duke Johnson. They just got Carlos Hyde. They have Deshaun Watson. They have arguably the best receiver in the NFL in DeAndre Hopkins. Hopefully a healthy Will Fuller. I mean, this team has J.J. Watt. Um, so they lost Clowney, yes, but hopefully Watt is healthy this year. I wouldn't sleep on them. Um, I probably won't touch this game. The only thing I would take is over under of 52 and a half, uh, 52. Um, I think they could get over 52, but yeah, that's a lot. I would not touch this game. What? No chance I'm touching this game. If I gun to my head, if I had to pick, just because I am so high on the Saints, I would go Saints minus seven. Um, but again, I just gave you all those great points as to why I would not sleep on Houston. They could easily win the AFC South. They are the favorite to win it. They did win it last season. Although the Colts, their AFC South running mates, did beat them in the first round of the playoffs. Um, and I am not a fan of Bill O'Brien. I think he is a terrible head coach in this league. Uh, but that's if I had to pick, I would still take Saints minus seven. Um, but I would not be shocked either way that this happens. And then finally, the Monday night game, you have the Oakland Raiders at home against the Denver Broncos. This line has been all over the place when we found out Antonio Brown was being suspended originally by the team and was going to be a scratch on Monday night. The line went from minus two Raiders to then minus two Broncos. Okay, and now Antonio Brown gets released, so the line has 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 gone minus two and a half in favor of the Broncos. They are going to win this by a field goal, and if they do, then you win your bet. Say you take the Denver Broncos at minus two and a half. But again, this is another one of those games that I would not touch. I think that the Denver Broncos will win this game just because there is too much going on 
inside that Raiders locker room and front office. And I think that the focus has been taken away from football um, with the entire dilemma uh, situation and saga that has been going on with Antonio Brown and with hard knocks and everything that's taken place. I don't think that they are in the right mindset to play football. So I would take Denver minus two and a half. The over under is 43. Be careful with that game. I wouldn't touch that. So uh, yeah, Denver minus two and a half. That's the bet I would take. So I gave you the, I gave you every single game, the picks that I would make, which games I'm more confident on, which games I wouldn't touch. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, I am like giddy, excited. I cannot wait for this game. Um, I am going to go and hopefully watch some more college football. There's some great games on tonight. Um, just some great games. Texas, Texas A&M and Clemson, I believe. And then uh, Texas plays somebody, somebody big tonight as well. Uh, let me see here. Uh, yeah, just some big college football games tonight. Uh, you all know who's playing who. Um, so it should be fun. It, I'm going to also be playing um, Gears of War 5, which finally just came out. I'm excited for that. Uh, yeah, it's going to be an amazing first Sunday in the NFL season. I am ex- super excited. I cannot wait. Um, it, it's going to be awesome. I hope my Jets at, at, can can pull out the victory at minus three and cover that spread. I'm super excited to see Le'Veon. We have LSU, Texas. That's the big one tonight at 1030. And then, like I said, you have um, Clemson and um, and A&M, um, which should be really good. Um, but yeah, it, it's going to be fun. It, it's going to be really, really fun. And, and um, yeah. Hopefully, you know, my fantasy team can pull out the victory too. That would be very nice. I think I I had a very good draft. My um, friends don't seem to think so. They're talking a lot of trash, smack talk. But hey, we'll see what happens. Um, I'm going to leave you guys at that. I do have an on this date in sports. It's kind of a cool one. It's a bit nostalgic. So on this date, uh, September 7th, um, 1979, we had the first ever sports center on ESPN. And here is a clip of, um, that being introduced on television for the first time by Lee Leonard introducing sports fans to the first ever sports center. So take a listen to this. Enjoy your weekend, guys. If you are in Hurricane Dorian territory, I hope you are safe, intact, and everything goes well. This is the Pody signing out. Now I will wax poetic because dusk is now beginning to drop over the beautiful Berkshire Mountains. And for sports fun and for sports fans, it is something brand new that's happening here at ESPN. Because up there, as we have mentioned, in the sky, 23,000 miles away, is that satellite. And it's there right now, and it's going to bring to the dishes that we showed you earlier on the program all the good efforts of athletes from around the world. And talking about good efforts, I would like to thank all the men and women who worked on this premiere show of the ESPN Network for all that they did to make it a little bit easier for us. From football to soccer to baseball to basketball to tennis to track to golf, we will be with you covering it on ESPN.